Welcome to Pahrump Today, where Terry and Doug will put together a concise report on things to do in Pahrump, maybe an interview, and of course, interesting news as well. Get ready for fun and informative time on Pahrump Today. Well, we're back. You know, we've added a lot of things to Pahrump Today, like uh, the why and what we say, uh, story of the week, quote of the week, just plain chatter, all kinds of stuff, and we have all of that coming up in this episode of Pahrump Today. You know, have you ever wondered how things came about, words, in what we say? Well, today we'll tell you where the word hoodlum came from in what we say. Lots of things going on. Lots of things going on around the area. Uh, Super Bowl, of course, you know that is this weekend. Super Bowl experience is now open. Costs you 50 bucks to go, but it looks like a lot of fun. Super Bowl swag store is open at the Mirage. And don't forget, Valentine's Day is coming up Wednesday. That's this coming Wednesday, so don't forget your sweetie. You like to get into the Wild West, maybe wear your cowboy boots and cowboy hat. Well, there's lots of things going on this weekend. Wild West weekends, Saturday and Sunday at Black Star Ranch and Vineyard. There's free entry there. Uh, that's at 3251 Quail Run Road here in Pahrump. Lots of things going on. Then it's over to Nature Health Petting Zoo. $15 or $10 for kids. That's at 351 West Burn Arch Road. And then you can finish up the day at Coffinwood with free entry there and $10 tours of Coffinwood. And that's at 2875 Sunset Street here in Pahrump. So all of that goes on on Saturday and Sunday. Sunday this weekend looks like 12 to dusk on Saturday and 10 to 8 on Sunday. Then you could go to the VFW Saturday, February 10th and have lunch from 11 to 1, lunch and dessert, a drink ticket is $16. It's domestic beer, wine, soft drinks or tea. Wild West Tavern gets wild on Sunday, like most of the uh, casinos and bars around Pahrump. With Super Bowl 58 coming on the TV, they're going to be doing a wild thing over at Wildside Tavern Sunday. This coming Sunday, they're saying starting at 3 p.m., food and drink specials and our happy hour for $3. Well, and uh, domestic drafts last until 5 p.m., Promise you won't want to miss this special event over Wild Side Tavern. The Garden Club meeting with landscaping and plants in pots. It'll be Saturday the 10th at 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Well, you can pot your plant. And it's at the Prompt Valley Museum. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Yeah. You know, I mentioned that Valentine's Day is this coming Wednesday. Well, if you'd like to get started with your uh, sweet things and your sweetheart, you can take them to live theater. What is love on Valentine's Day? That's a private event at 5280 Mexican Restaurant. You know where that is over on Mesquite. It starts at 6 o'clock, $60 ticket and includes the show. Dinner, dessert, drinks, you get two of them, raffle tickets, and a rose for the ladies. So once again, live theater, What is Love, Valentine's Day, 6 p.m. It gets started at 5280 Mexican Food and Restaurant over on Mesquite Avenue. You're listening to Pahrump Today, a weekly rundown on things to do and happening stories in our community. 
Once again, here's Terry and Doug. Well, if you've ever wondered where some of these words come about that we live with each and every day, we'll say it like you're a hoodlum. Well, where in the world did hoodlum come from? How did hoodlum, how did ruffian come to be called hoodlum? Well, it's all due to illegible handwriting. In an attempt to coin a name for a San Francisco gang, a reporter took the name of the gang leader, Muldoon, and reversed it, naming it Noodlum. Now, the typesetter couldn't read his writing and set it up as hoodlum. <laughs> He was naming a gang leader Noodlum, and he changed it because he couldn't read a handwriting to Hoodlum. Well, that's how Hoodlum came about, from ruffian, a gang leader, Noodlum, to Hoodlum. That's very funny. Yeah, so if you call somebody Hoodlum, <laughs> you know exactly where in the heck <sighs> that came from. It's crazy stuff that we deal with each and every day. Now it's time for Just Plain Chatter. So... <laughs> You go from hoodlum to just plain chatter. <laughs> oh, it was just funny. It just hit me funny. Yeah, well, I couldn't say noodlum. <laughs> so here's another Guffy story from when we moved um, from Las Vegas to Guffy, Colorado, which is in the mountains at 9,500 feet. Yeah. And we kept hearing that they were going to have this event called the Chicken Fly. Didn't know what it was. We kept saying, what the heck is a chicken fly? Now, it happened every year. Right. I, every July. Every 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 4th of July. Every 4th of July. So there was a chicken fly along with chicken poop bingo. Right. Now, we could figure out what chicken poop bingo was. Right. But the chicken fly, we were just like, what? Yeah. So we, we drove down to Guffey, which is uh, about a mile and a half, two miles from our ranch, 9,500 feet in Colorado, to the chicken fly. Now, let me describe. Actually, I'll let the Denver Post describe what the chicken fly is all about. Here's an article from the Denver Post. On the 4th of July, when people here say feathers will fly... They really mean it in Guffy. Now, in this case, the feathers are still attached to the birds, specifically Old English Game Bantams. Now, this year, or in 2010, marked the 25th anniversary of the original Guffy Chicken Fly, an event that puts uh, the eek into unique. Once again, that was the 25th anniversary. In 2010, competition involves 110 chickens. Each gets one chance to beat the existing flying record of 180 feet. Now, here's how it goes. Now, to encourage the birds to fly, chickens tend to be uh, pedestrians, not aerialists, you know. The event's founder, Bill Sue, and I'll tell you about him here in just a minute, too, built a rustic 12-foot launching tower. Now, on its platform, he affixed a black metal old-school mailbox. He removed the back of the box, lined it with red velvet, and put sandpaper over the mailbox's business end. Now, each competitor places a chicken inside the revamped mailbox. Then Sue hands the competitor a red carpeted toilet plunger. And the competitor uses it to nudge the chicken's neuter regions. Another familiar with chicken behavior will understand the need for a prop. Not well versed in this form of animal husbandry, huh? Well, better not play chicken bingo. Another chicken fly event that involves placing a dollar bet 
on which squares a chicken will find suitable for a toilet. Now, each chicken flies only once now out of the mailbox. Then it's returned to a spacious coop behind Sue's residence on Guffy's main drag, which was only a block long, by the way. Nearly everyone who competes has a good chance of winning one of the modest trophies made by Sue of a bird poised atop a sawed log plaque. Now, winners of the chicken bowling competition, relax now, they used a plugged bowling ball, get to take home one of the pins. Now, each hand-painted pin includes a chicken face. That is chicken poop bingo in a town of 12 to 15 that this whole event draws over 500 participants and onlookers in the mountains of Guffey. Mainly it's the chicken fly. (laughs) Mainly it's the chicken fly. I mean, I thought it was a little more graphic than what he said in that article. I mean, they (laughs) literally plunge a chicken out of a mailbox. They do. And Bill Sue had bands going and and just people were cheering and he had side bets going down in the crowd. Big crowd. It was to me. It was kind of unbelievable. I mean, where in the world would you have chickens plunged out of a mailbox? Now, this is a town of twelve to fifteen people in the mountains with these old buildings. Bill Sue. I told you I'd tell you about him. Now, Bill Sue was a character. As you drove into Guffey on the one end of town, you passed Bill Sue's shop. Now, it had all kinds of antique and old cars. Now, these weren't antiques that are fixed up. These are ones that are kind of thrown together. And a sliding door went into his shop. He had a, a smokestack up the roof of his shop. This looked like a like a building out of the 1800s. You walk in, there's a potbelly stove going. You can't move because it's so cramped. And he's always making things in this shop. Now, he lived in a house or a shack right across the street. Had an old tea bucket out front and a couple of old cars. He had a ranchero. He also, as you drove into town, had these horse skeleton statues that he made. He had all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, they were eerie. He was just a crazy guy. He was a retired union electrician that had been in Guppy forever. He found those horses, skeletons, in someone's pasture. Yeah, and he had a cat. Oh, he had a cat named named Monster. Yeah. Who was the mayor... In his end of town. Mind you, (laughs) the town isn't even a block long. Right. And the other end of town had a dog for mayor, Chandra. Right. I think we've mentioned that before because I wrote Norman for mayor. Right. And you had all the characters in that book. Yeah, about our our cow and all that. Um, But it's a true story. I mean, it's been on the news before about the mayor of Guffy. And Chandra was owned by the owners of Freshwater Saloon. Right. Which had food. Yes. And it was a half a block from another bar that had food. Right. So we went bar hopping one night in Guffy, Colorado. <laughs> we did it a, a few nights. A few nights. In fact, one night, my buddy and I, Dave and myself, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they, they have these uh, these teeth, these fake teeth. Billy Bob teeth. Billy Bob teeth that you can put in, and, and they, they look crazy. Oh, they're horrible. <laughs> and Dave and I, we played host or, or maitre d's at the Freshwater Saloon one night. <laughs> and boy, I'll tell you, we brought everybody into the saloon with a smile on their face. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> Friends of ours that we met up there, just great people. And then we, then our vet was with us, and, and that's we would all bar hop up the hill. Yeah. I mean, it took us three minutes to get there. <laughs> and we, of course, walking. 
I had a crazy time. Yeah. And it's, it's a little town called Guffey, Colorado. Yeah. If you ever have a chance and you go to Colorado and you want to have have a good time, a lot of motorcycle clubs go up there and spend the day on a on a sunny and sometimes rainy afternoon at the Freshwater Saloon. And, yeah. And just enjoy themselves. They always have music going on someplace. Well, yeah, and it's just a pretty ride on your bike. Yeah. By the way, the Chicken Fly was a fundraiser for the uh, charter school up there and the fire department and whatever else they had going on. Yeah, and that gave us an idea, and we had a fundraiser. We did. On our ranch. We did. For the charter school, and we had cow poop bingo. Right. So we have all these people that bet on squares that we marked off with spray paint right. and had the cow in the pen, Norman, and <laughs> they're all standing there waiting for this cow to poop on their square. And it's like all these adults standing there staring at Norman. It just, it was so funny. It just cracked me up. Now, keep in mind, Norman was as big as our saddlebred horses. Yeah, he was at least 15'2". He was a big cow. And his legs were like tree stumps. But he was a pet. Totally. Loved people. Totally. Loved people. He'd get down and uh, spread his legs out and put his head down and then hop around. And he wanted you to pet him. My And my best friend up there, he did that. She was standing next to me, and she just freaked out. She goes, that's the awfulest, oddest thing I've ever seen. I go, what do you mean? (laughs) She goes, he's huge. Aren't you afraid he's going to butt you or something? And I said, no, he he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a great cow. We bought him, by the way, when we lived in uh, in Las Vegas. We bought him at the Clark County Fair, right, for twenty five dollars. At how many days old? Uh, when I saw him, he was seven days old, and then they hauled him to a milking exhibit in Reno, right, and said that if he was still alive when they came back, I could buy him, and he was, so I bought him. He was, and we did, and we yeah. raised him with the little Shetland pony over at our ranch, Windrock Farm. Oh, yeah. He he was such a pet. Oh, my God. He was. That's the story, part of the story. We'll probably have more stories as we go along, but we appreciate you listening to Perump today. And as always, we close the show out with our uh, quote of the week. And this week's quote of the week, if you listen up, it's interesting. It is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. Who do you think said that? It was Aristotle. You've been listening to Perrup Today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. Send us your comments at perrumptoday at gmail.com. And tell your friends to join us next Friday for a new Perrup Today on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again for listening to Perrup Today.